Again, we're in this series called The Giving God, and it comes out of the most familiar verse of Scripture in the Bible. I suppose, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Let's pray for a moment. God, honor your word today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God gave his son, what a radical thought. God gave his one and only son. When, when, when it says that in John 3.16, this is not a minor thing. This is not just a baby born in Bethlehem. This is the whole picture. This is the whole story. This is Jesus, truly, born of Mary, who had never known a man. It's a miraculous birth. It is by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is born sinless. Jesus grows in this little obscure community of Bethlehem and Nazareth, then ultimately and and short time in Bethlehem, and then into Nazareth after Egypt for two years, and then and then he comes along and grows as a carpenter's son, and and it's amazing, an ordinary. And then at thirty, he starts his ministry and he begins to do something profound. He talks about the kingdom of God in a way that had never been talked about before, and out of that teaching, he establishes the principles of the kingdom. It did not make everybody happy. And as a result of that, he's actually crucified. That's why we have Easter. But the grave could not hold him. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He's coming back again to take us to be with him one day. So when it says that God gave us his son, that's what's involved. It's not just this moment. I love Christmas. I do love the idea of celebrating the birth. But it's so much more than that. And we talked last week about the motive of God. Why would God do that? Well, here's the reason. Because he loves me. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves me. And he loves you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. And he loves them. Everybody in your life that doesn't know Jesus and everybody that lives around you and everybody that serves you in a gas station and a grocery store, everybody that's connected to your life and everybody you don't know, God loves them. What a radical thought. And the motive of God, the motive of God in sending His Son and giving His Son was because He loved us. He loves you and He loves me. Sometimes sometimes it can be deeper than that. Sometimes motives actually become almost drives and we have people in our world that are driven by all kinds of strange things and I'm sure you know some of them. Some of them are driven by fear. I hope, you, I hope you don't have many people around you because it's an awful way to live, to be honest, to be driven by fear. Uh, Sheila and I have a, a family member that's driven by fear. They're afraid of everything. They're afraid of people. They're afraid of being embarrassed. They're afraid of the dentist. They're afraid to go to doctors. They're afraid of COVID. They're afraid of connecting with anybody. It just goes on and on. So the whole, the whole world is so small because they're driven by fear. It's an awful place to be. Have you ever met somebody who carries the weight of the world on their shoulders? They're often firstborns. Have you noticed that? Firstborns live by rules. They love the rules. I remember our granddaughter was about six, and we were playing in a park, and, and it said, nobody under six should be on this side of the park. And there was a four-year-old there who was playing on that side of the park. She's firstborn. And I saw her eyes and I knew what she was going to do. She was going to go tell that kid to get out of there because they weren't six yet. And I went over and I leaned and whispered in her ear, you can't do that. You're not their parent. And she said, but they're breaking the rules. I said, I know but you're not their parent. 
difficult, difficult, difficult. And people, and thank God for them because they get things done. It's amazing how diligent they are and how helpful they are. And if you're firstborn and you love responsibility, please sign up for anything you can do in this church. We need you. So you make things work. And then there's a few people with a little anxiety and stress. Have you noticed the worry quotient has gone up? COVID actually helped that. I, I hope you, you're not one of those people, but it robs us. It makes us feel trapped. It makes us feel unhappy. It takes the joy, the joy out of our lives. I, I uh, thank God there's healing for that. We've talked about that in another moment. And then there's a few people, probably nobody in this room, but there's some people that feel insecure. People who are insecure have to kind of brag a lot sometimes to make them feel like they're valuable or, or they don't brag but they put on Teflon all around them so they can never get hurt. They can't let anybody in. They're Teflon coated, Teflon protected insecurity. Closer related to insecurity but not nearly as healthy is are those people that are narcissistic. You know what narcissistic is? Narcissism, you know what that is, right? It's all about me. Have you ever met somebody who, have you ever met somebody that no matter what subject you raise, in 30 seconds they can be talking about them? Like it's a gift, folks. I remember my first car. I had a Morris Minor 1000, 1961 vehicle. Oh, I, I've had five cars in my life. And it's on, okay, uh, what's the weather like? Well, on the day I was born, it was like this. They even know somehow. And the day I got married, it, it, you know, you know, people, don't, please don't look. Please don't point. Um, I do collect cartoons. I thought I would share a couple with you, narcissistic cartoons. I'm having trouble with this. Well, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? <laughs> I'd let you talk more, but you're not as interesting as me. Hmm. And then there's a few people that live for possessions. They live for things they want more, possessions, power, whatever it might be, and all kinds of people live for that. It drives them and drives them, and they work too hard, and they work too long, and they pay a price for all of that. And I, and I love this. Thankfully, there's lots of good ones. Thank, thankfully, there are people that are driven to serve. How many of you have children in this, at church with you today? Let me see your hands if you've got children here. The reason you're able to sit in the service and enjoy the service is because somebody's serving down there. That's the truth. So thank God for that. And were you greeted by somebody when you came in today? Somebody serving in the hospitality. And thank God for the people that love to serve. And can I say to you, that circle's big. You can join it if you would like. It helps make the world go round. And then there are those who are just driven to love and to welcome people. A few years ago, Sheila and I lost our best friends of 42 years. They were quite a bit older than us, almost 20 years. But they were just so amazing. They were so welcoming and so loving. They were so loving that when, our, when they finally died, actually, in their late 80s, on their obituary, my children were listed as honorary grandchildren. They were so loving that I wanted to take everybody I ever met that ever became a friend to meet them because they were so loving. And it always was the same. I would take complete strangers to their house. And as we went to leave, John would say, okay, now I want you to know you came because you came with Bill and Sheila, but you don't have to be with them to come again. The door is always open. You're always welcome. And that kind of love encouraged and built up new believers. And that kind of love saw people outside the kingdom come to faith. And I pondered all of this, and I said, God, what has this got to do with John 3.16? You're probably asking the same question. 
You see, here's the deal. What drives us? But more importantly, what drives God? What is the drive in God? What is the drive in God that would cause him to give his son? Here it is. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I heard this in a video maybe six months ago, and I can't get it out of my mind, and I have no idea if this message is for you today or not, but I know it's for me. I I can't get this truth out of my mind. It's absolutely amazing. It's not new, but it's profound. Are you ready? Here it is. Brennan Manning said it better than I can say it. Here's what he said. God loves us in such a manner that he would rather die than be without us. Wow. Let that sink in for a minute. God loves us in such a manner that he would rather die than be without us. That's why John 3.16 was written. That's why we have a giving God. And the reason he can talk about that And the reason he can talk about having us with him forever, and the reason he can talk about an eternity, because he has eternity. This is the God who has eternity, and I'm having problems here, folks. The eternity of God. Let me say the three things theologically that that means. I love this stuff. First of all, God is self-existent. That's what it means. There's an old proverb that says this. When you were born, you cried, and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. Isn't that good? I really like that. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. Here's the problem with that. That's about us because we're finite. There is none of God in that in a sense. Because it speaks about a beginning, a birth, and an ending, a dying. And God never was born, and God never dies. God eternally is. God is always simply there. God simply is. Look what it says in the Scripture. This God who simply is has life in himself. He's not dependent on anyone else. And because he's not dependent on anyone else, because he's totally dependent, everything and everyone is dependent on him. That's what the Scripture says. I love this. He is entirely self-sustaining. Wow. He has no needs. Completely satisfied. Completely fulfilled in himself. And because because he has eternity, because he's self-existent, I love this. He never gets tired. He never stops being God. He never takes a coffee break. He never has to be retrained like some of us ever. The number one name for God in the Old Testament is Jehovah, sorry. Here's what Jehovah means. It means to be. It means being, existence, life. That's who our God is. That's the God who's offering us eternal life who wants us to be with him. 
And then it goes on and says that he is infinite. Well, this talks about the perfection of God. God is absolutely perfect in everything, in absolutely. What that means is he is free from all limitations. He has no limitations at all. There is nothing God cannot do. I remember a grade 8 student once when I was a teacher asked me, can God build a rock so big he can't lift it? Well, why would he want to, to start with? But it's a silly question. But you see, no, there's nothing, but yet there is. Do you know there are some things God cannot do? Because he's the perfect God and his infinity talks about perfection. There are some things God cannot do. You ready? Here we go. Listen, listen. He can never get tired. He can never be unholy. He can never lie. He can never stop existing. He cannot change. If he could change and be a little bit better, he wouldn't be God now. If he could change and get a little bit worse, he would cease to be God. He cannot sin. He cannot learn anything new. He's never surprised, ever, ever, ever. He knows everything. God is always right. He cannot be wrong. He cannot deny himself. He cannot give his glory to another. Wow, those sounds like pretty good things for the God who can't do. But he's limitless in everything else. He's limitless in his power and his peace and his provision and his grace and his mercy. Kathleen prayed it earlier and all those people that are in the list of drives. Listen, God is limitless. He can come and meet you where you are, as you are, and wants to do that. God gave his son for you. And he's limitless in his ability to love you and bring life to you. Limitless. Amazing. And then he's eternal. It makes sense because he has eternity. Here's what that means. He is eternal now. We all live in time. I, I said to Sheila this morning, we need to leave to get to the church in time at 8.45. That's time, see? And you're going to have lunch at a certain time when the service is over. But God doesn't deal in time. Time is an invention of God for us. Because we do have a beginning and we do have an ending. There is no beginning and end. So for God, all time is the same. He's the eternal now. And the God who was there when you were born is the God who's there now with you sitting in church today or listening on however you're listening today. It's the same God and he's with you every moment. It's all the same because he's got such capacity. You and I, would get conf- you and I can get confused in the events of a week. God's never confused. In the entire history of mankind, he was before and after. He has no beginning and no ending. Here's what it means to us. I love this. When you were conceived, he is there. When you were born and cried for the first time, he is there. When you were sat up and crawled or took your first step, he is there. When you said your first word, he is there. When you went to school for the first time, learned to read, write, and do math, he is there. When you made your first friend, fell in love for the first time, got your first job, and got married, he is there. When you get out of bed this morning to come to church and are sitting here now, he is there. If you're listening at home and you're still in your PJs, he is there there when you have lunch retire and die he is there because he's the eternal God we are never alone somebody should say thank God for that he has no beginning and no ending and because of that this God says I want you to be with me I'm offering you eternity with me. And the question is, why, of course? Why would he do that? And the answer is, we've already talked about it. Because he loves us. And the second reason, the drive of God, is he wants us with him. I uh, 
I'm a grandfather. Those are my grandchildren. I'll just let you drool for just a minute. <laughs> Having grandchildren is a bit like being on drugs. I've never been on drugs. But when I'm with them, I'm on a high. And when I'm not with them, I'm in withdrawal. Does that not sound like drugs to you? How many grandparents do we have in the room? Am I not telling the truth? I think there's a gene that you're born with that lies dormant in your body to your hold your first grandchild for the first time, and it kicks into overdrive from that moment on. And grandparents lie a little. They do. They say, you know, I just love to have them with us, and I spoil them, and they get out of control. I just send them home. That's a lie. We don't send them home because we get tired of them. We only send them home because the law makes us. We keep them with us forever. Well, that's how God feels about us. God wants us with him forever. That's the plan of God. He gave us his son so we might be with him forever. Folks, this is amazing. I don't even want to be with me forever. I don't want to be with me some days. Am I the only one who's flawed? But somehow, God looks beyond the flaws and of the love and grace that he has for us. He wants us with him forever. I love this. He's the welcoming God. My good friends are great welcomers, but they can't hold a candle to God. Wow. And hear my heart here, folks. Um, you, you, are, you are just so welcome in him, in him. And when you come to him, he comes with his love and is with his presence. And he calls you his children. I love this. God wants us with him forever. Forever. Aren't you glad you know him? I mean, aren't, What? Four of you. Aren't you glad you know him? Look, look what he says. He says, I want you with me forever. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. This changed this whole verse for me. With him. With him. The future age of glory and everything we think about in eternity is all tied up in him and being with God. His idea and it's so simple, whoever believes in him. Now, I want you to notice, John 3.16 does not promise us heaven. He doesn't. You see, heaven is a place. 
That's not what God is offering us. We do go to heaven, it's true, but that's a place. What he's offering us is better than that. He's, heaven's just the place. Eternal life is what we have with God. It is marked by duration. It is forever. It is marked by quality. It's not like having a toothache forever. It's like having joy and peace and love forever. It is marked by a place with no pain, no sorrow, no sadness. A place of joy and delight and the glory of God. And there'll be music there. I know that. And whatever you dream of that brings you delight, I don't know, it might even be there. Billy Graham was once asked, you know, probably so you don't even, some of you know who that is, but a great evangelist for years, he was asked if there was golf in heaven, and he said, why not? Well, I play golf, so I'm pretty sure it's not there. See, I don't know, but I know we'll be with him. It's not the place, it's who we're with that makes eternity valuable. That's what eternity is really about. Whoever believes in him. Now, I have to say to you that uh, uh, my last name is Morrow, M-O-R-R-O-W. Two Morrow without the two. My dad was Joseph Patrick Morrow, and my mother's name was Audrey Ann. And whatever else I might be, I belong to the Morrow clan. And God gave us his son. So we could belong to the family of God. And you and I become part of his family, the Christian family clan. And you and I become the sons and daughters of God. Look what it says. Now a slave, this is the Bible by the way, I'm not making this up. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. A daughter belongs to it forever. Do you enjoy your relationship with God? I hope so, because it's forever. That's what it says. Here's the problem. The path to eternity does involve some things. We actually, uh, prior to unless it comes, we actually have to die to get there. We actually die to get there. But I want to go back to this verse, because I, I just, just look what it says. It says, I will come back when it's your turn, when it's your time. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take you to be with me. We don't even go there alone. God wants us with him enough that he comes back, takes us by the hand, and takes us into eternity to be with him. We don't go alone. We're alone in this world when it happens, but we're not alone as a believer. God is with us every moment, every step of the way. I'm not making this up either. I'm just reading the Bible. Radical thought. Uh, Sheila and I are the proud owners of a piece of property in Ajax. It's about eight feet long and three feet wide. (laughs) About six feet deep. But I want you to know that when I get there, it's not the end. See, God wants us with him. It's the beginning, not the end. So all of us will have a tombstone. We have the word faithful in ours because God has been so faithful to us and we wanted to be faithful to him. And my favorite character in the Bible is out of the Old Testament, Moses, and it says he was faithful in all God's house and I want to be that. As long as I live and know who I am and where I am, I want to be faithful in God's house, I do. Oh, dear, I was born in 1946. I don't know the question mark. 
I have a bit of a hint in my head, I think, once in a while. But, so, but isn't it frightening? <laughs> so, I'm 70, so 76 years are signed up in that little dash. You see that little dash? A whole lifetime in a dash. But see, they have it wrong. Because we have something different in our tombstones. We've changed it. Here's what it does in ours. We have a dash at the end. Because if you're a child of God, dying here isn't the end of life. If you're a child of God and you've accepted God's Son as your Savior, dying here is the beginning of life. Forever and ever and ever. I have a dash at the end. Because I know what that means. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And see, and the Bible actually says this, to as many as receive him. There's, there's, do you have this Jesus Christ? Do you know him? You see, here's the problem for people who do not know him. They don't get this. They miss the best of God. Eternity, eternal life with God forever. If that happens to be you and you're here today, can I say to you that you are welcome in the kingdom? And all you have to do is say, God, I want you to be my Savior and Lord. I want to take the gift that you've given all these other people around me. I want the gift of your son to be my gift. I receive you today. And this won't be true of you. You get the dash at the end of your life, not just in the middle. I'm almost done. Eternity actually uh, doesn't just wait till we get there. Eternity starts now. Eternal life is more than living a long time. It's the quality of life that actually starts now. I, I don't know how you pray, but I pray that your prayers aren't always about asking. I pray your prayers aren't always about needs and demands even. I pray that there'll be times you'll practice being with him by being with him now. Some years ago, I've been to England many times, eight or nine, maybe, I don't know how many, but some years ago I was in England and Queen Elizabeth was the queen at the time. And I decided to go to Buckingham Palace. At the time I was there, and this, please don't hear this in any arrogant sense, I don't mean it. I just was, I've been honored to serve God in a variety of roles. And at the time I was there, I happened to be the general superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, which is the church that this fellowship, that this church belongs to. So we ran 40-some countries around the world, and we had 1,100 churches in Canada, and I had the privilege of leading that for about 12 years. So I'm at Buckingham Palace, and I'm looking at the palace, and I'm thinking, huh, I am the leader of the largest evangelical movement in Canada, and the queen doesn't even know I'm here. <laughs> and she doesn't care. And if she did know I was there, she would not have me in for tea. But every day, ordinary people like you and I are invited into the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Every day, every day we have access to the Father. And you don't have to have a need to come. He loves the moments when we come just to be with him. Because that's why he gave his son. So we could be 
with him. And to help us get there, he leaves us some wonderful promises. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He's preparing us to be with him. That's the giving God's gift. That's the drive behind Bethlehem. He loves us. This is his motive. But he wants us to be with him forever. God's desire for us is him. Is that not overwhelming? I mean, think of everything you know about God. He's more than that. Think about everything you know about you, and we're less than that. And he wants us to be with him. This overwhelms my soul. I have to be honest. I mentioned this might not be for you. I, can tell you, I, can't get this, I cannot get this truth out of my soul. I don't want to. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. God wants to be with us. We want to be with him. But here's the reason. He wants us to be with him. Would you say that to your neighbor? He wants us to be with him. Say it to somebody. He wants us to be with him. What drives human behavior? Well, folks, listen, here's what I know. If you struggle here today and you have all these struggles with responsibility and stress and insecurity and narcissism and on and on and on, he is here for you. He can take those issues of your life and make them his. He's not trying to make you perfect. He's trying to make you his. And you can know the God who wants you to be with him forever. I, I love this verse of Scripture. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hid with God, with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Say it, with him. Come, Ben, with him. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like. Next week is joy, the following week is peace, and then hope, and we're going to go into Christmas on a series of the giving God. He gave us his son. Why? Because he loves us. Why? Because he wants us with him forever. We're going to have a baptismal service here in just a moment. I need you to say, I was thinking of you as I prepared this message. All of you new believers who are being baptized today, I want you to understand the depth of God's love for you. And when you come out of the waters of baptism today, you're declaring you're a child of God forever, and God has already made that declaration over you. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you want us with you. And God, we want to be with you. We really want to be with you. We're going to sing thank you, amen. We're going to sing a great song that declares how amazing God is as we get ready for baptism today.